Our second scripture reading is from Romans chapters 12 and 13. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is fulfilling the law. The word of the Lord. You're probably thinking, who's going to get this ball, right? During most of my elementary school years, my brother Jody, who was two years younger than I, uh, and I went to Charleston, West Virginia to spend a week or so with our grandparents. And Jenny and Grandpa, it was always special to be in their home, but one thing that was really special, a block and a half down at the end of their street was Watt Powell Park, which was for a minor baseball league that, uh, or team that Charleston had. But next to that was kind of a kid's park with swings and whatever and tennis courts. Well... My grandfather didn't play tennis. My grandmother didn't either, for sure. But somehow he had two old tennis rackets, and we knew that where they were, and some tennis balls that were probably, you know, five years old. Who knows? They weren't fresh tennis balls by any means. But uh, we would go down and try to hit the ball over the net uh, the, to our best effort. Now, occasionally someone would have pity on us and stop and give us a pointer or two, but it, we were pretty much self-taught. Fast forward eight or ten years, and I'm at, at VPI. It wasn't called Virginia Tech back then. It was still VPI. Um, and we were on the quarter system still. Uh, and so you had to take, every freshman had to take three quarters of PE, physical education. So I thought, great, I'll sign up for tennis. And went to the class. It was the coach of the tennis team who was our teacher. So I thought, that's great. I'll be learning a few things and I'll be able to impress him. Well, <laughs> quite the opposite. Um, yes, we had class time where we were learning to think right about tennis, a little history, but more the techniques and the right way to hand, hold the, hold the racket, forehand, backhand, and single-double strategies. But the, the fun part, of course, was not class time, but court time. And you can imagine, I had to unlearn a lot of bad habits uh, wrong ways of thinking about tennis in order to get the ball over the net the right way in order to serve in a respectful way. And it was a good foundation for me. It was a good foundation. Well, for us as believers, God has called us to know him and to make him known. And that second part, make him known, we often use the word evangelism, sharing the good news or 
manifesting the good news to others around us. And that word makes most of us kind of cringe a little bit. Maybe uh, we have had a bad experience with somebody banging us over the head with a Bible back in high school or college or afterwards. Um, at best, we might feel guilty because we know we should be doing more, but we aren't doing more in that arena. And that's part of why we are going to the next five weeks be looking at a book called Surprise the World. In fact, for the past seven weeks, we focused on God's image, God's mission, looking at how who we are in Christ, God's image in us, and how he wants to reflect that through us, God's image and God's mission, understanding better, getting some right thinking about the mission of God. And the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at this book, Surprise the World, The Five Habits of Highly Missional People, to help us get some practical ways to put this into action as we are missional people. In fact, what's our mission statement? It's on the card, right? It's on the top of the card every week. It's on our website. Many of you have memorized it. Christ Church Vienna is a gospel-driven, externally focused, extended family, Anglican mission for Vienna, Virginia. We're externally focused. We're a mission for Vienna. We're on mission to help people see God in our lives and to share God with them where, God, where the, the opportunities open up. One thing I've loved about getting to know Johnny, Christina, uh, our lead pastor, and, and Sarah, his wife, is that they don't hide behind the programs of the church. Johnny, as some pastors, the, the, the term sometimes is used, don't hide behind the pulpit. Um, of course, we don't have a church to hide in, so he, you know, they can't be hiding in the four walls of the church. But no, Johnny's involved in coaching sports teams, and Sarah's involved in the school, as Johnny is too in different ways, volunteering in different ways throughout the community. Um, they are good neighbors. They have great parties for their neighbors. They're friends with people who have deep faith, and they're friends with people who are trying to figure this faith thing out and everything in between. They're involved in conversations, purposeful conversations, or even some small groups to help people understand what it means to know Christ. And I, I just love that about our church, that Johnny and Sarah model this whole concept of externally focused and being for Vienna. We're in the season of Lent, and during Lent, we typically stop doing something or put off something in order to remind us of the sinful or self-centered nature of both sinful and self-centered of our flesh, our fleshly desires, whether it's the desire for chocolate or the desire for coffee or if it's a food thing or the desire to read the newspaper, but we stop, said we're not going to read the newspaper for 40 days or whatever it is in order to give us, to remind us of the Lord and to help focus our hearts on Him. But I wasn't familiar until I got a part of this church or hadn't heard, uh, hadn't really heard it, that during Lent we also were encouraged to put on something, take on a new habit, reading Scripture more purposefully or listening to Scripture maybe. If you're like me, well, my iPhone's down there. I didn't bring it up here. But I listen to Scripture a lot more than I uh, read it actually at this point, and I'm an a, a 
audio learner. So it sinks in a different way for me. Um, or helping the needy, volunteering once a week to do something during Lent that you wouldn't typically do. Or whatever it is, taking on something. Well, we're going to encourage you to take on the reading of this book, which, to tell the truth, it might take 90 minutes to read it cover to cover if you just read it. It's not a heavy, thick book. Um, but to help us with our court time, to help us with putting into practice what we know and want to do in our heart of hearts, being highly missional people. Jeremiah 29, the, the Old Testament scripture reading this morning, we see God's people, Jer God is speaking to God's people through Jeremiah, and they have been conquered, they have been displaced, they're exiles now in Babylon, and does he say, hey, sorry about that, just make the most of it, no. What's God tell them? He says, build houses to plant gardens. He says, marry and multiply. You know, give your daughters in marriage. Have children. Give your daughters in marriage. And then he doesn't just say, you know, try to do the best you can and thrive and multiply and be there. But he says, no, think of others. Now, these are their enemies who just conquered them, and their, their conditions they're living in are super bad, we have to imagine at least at first. Um, but he's saying, think of others. Think of their welfare, their happiness, their success, their shalom, as it were, and pray for them. Don't just think of how you can help them be successful, but pray for them. Radical other thought. Thinking of others, not just thinking of yourself. Now, we're not strangers living in a strange city uh, against our will, but we can all point to things in our life that are different than how we'd like them to be. Not enough money. Not enough respect from our teenagers. <laughs> or maybe not enough freedom as a teenager. Um, not enough understanding from my husband. Or not enough respect from my wife. Or maybe you have a serious health condition or a job that drains you, an adult child that's unemployed, whatever it is, the list goes on and on. We're all in situations which aren't what we'd like them to be if we're honest about it in some realm or other. But guess what? Everyone around us who's not sitting in church this morning <laughs> is in the same lifeboat. Yeah, maybe a little different make and model and color, but their boat of life is not what they hoped it would be either. There's disappointments, there's pain, there's needs that they have as well. And in the midst of this, we are called to be outwardly focused. We're called to be, to help our friends, our neighbors, our town prosper, and to pray for them. Called to think of others, called to surprise the world. And in this book, in the first chapter, um, Michael Frost says this. He says, by missional, okay, but finally, the five habits of highly missional people. By missional, I mean that all we do and say alerts others to the reign of God. Hmm. All I do and say alerting others to the reign of God. They have some sense that, that there's a God peace here. They might not understand it. They might not call it the God of our 
Lord Jesus Christ, um, the God of the Bible, but they have some sense that there is a God, that our lives manifest that in some ways. And the five missional rhythms, practices, or habits, he says, are to unite us. Let's see. Go back slide, please. Um, yeah, the five missional rhythms, practices, or habits are to unite us together as believers while also propelling us into the lives of others. I like that, propelling us into the lives of others. So there's, there's a piece here. We want to surprise the world by how they see us treating each other, and we want to surprise the world by how they see us treating them as well. He uses the word, phrase, in fact, I got an email from somebody who jumped into the book this week, and they said, they just got like to page five or six, and they said, he talks about us living questionable lives. I'm not sure about this. And if you've read it, you know, he's doing a wordplay on questionable. It's not questionable like, uh, you know, illegal or uh, immoral. But he's using that word questionable in the sense of intriguing or interesting or surprising. You know, that, that what you're doing causes people to question, huh, what's different about him or her? The five habits that we'll be talking about the next five weeks um, are bless, eat, listen, learn, and scent. Bells, B-E-L-L-S. Bless, as, as we bless people, we're going to become more generous. As we eat with people, we'll become more hospitable. As we listen to the Holy Spirit, we'll become more Spirit-led day by day. As we learn what Jesus did as he loved people and uh, was missional with people, we'll become more Christ-like. And then sent, as we see ourselves as sent, we will become more missional as a people. Now, the first one we're hitting on today is bless. Now, to be honest, that word is a little too churchy for me. When do you ever hear somebody talk about bless? Except when people sneeze, right? And what do they say? Yeah, okay, I heard two things. God bless you, and you do hear that, but as much now, I hear just bless you, leaving the God off even. Yeah. Um, but typically, we don't hear that word bless outside of church circles. Literally, the word, the Greek word, eulogeo, means good words or the good report given to or about someone. As you look at that eulogeo, you might see the root of our word eulogy, in our English usage, we've narrowed that word down to mean just giving a good report of someone who has passed away at their funeral, typically, or in the newspaper, in the obituary. There's kind of a little eulogy often. Um, <clears throat> but I like the word encourage. Um, and now, we're gonna, you're going to hear the word bless, and we'll use the word bless, but um, I like the word encourage. It has a lot of the same meaning, uh, meanings to it, but, it, but it even has more life to it, to me than the word bless. And the word encourage, our word encourage in the English comes from the French word cur, uh, heart, to enhearten or to hearten someone, to in, put heart into someone, to give heart, or to instill courage, to instill hope, to instill confidence, to encourage someone. Um, and, and then in this chapter, this chapter three, the first two chapters introductory, chapter three is the bless chapter, the first habit, 
as he called it, as we're developing five habits. Um, he suggests three ways that we can bless people. Words of affirmation, acts of kindness, and gifts. And Corky Eddins added a fourth, which is prayers. Prayers for people. Um, words of affirmation. Um, someone's called affirmation, words of affirmation, the verbal vitamins that we all need. Isn't that a great concept? The verbal vitamins. Um, yeah, to compliment someone, to affirm them, to, to believe. Your words basically saying, I believe in you, I think you're doing a good job, or in, in, the, in the vernacular, attaboy, you know, with respect, ladies. You know, give, give them an attaboy. Um, years ago, I read a study that was done about compliments, and, and uh, this was in relation to kids. We as parents tend to find the things that our kids do wrong uh, a lot easier than we do the things they do right, okay? It's easier to correct them than to compliment them often. But it takes 11 attaboys to overcome one dis, to put it in current terminology. Dissing someone, disrespecting, disparaging remark, or a discouraging remark. Um, it takes 11 affirmations to overcome one criticism. Um, and boy, that, that challenges me because by nature, and Georgie can testify to this, my default setting is more on the critical side, looking at the what's the half-empty glass instead of the half-full glass. And this has been a lifetime prayer and, and pursuit of mine is to try to encourage people more. Um, acts of kindness, um, thoughtfulness, in fact, I like the thought, thoughtful initiative, acts of kindness, thoughtful initiative, unexpected thoughtful initiative, I would even say, um, in, a, in a way that's going to help someone or encourage them. Again, the word encourage. Uh, gifts. A third, third way to express, to bless people, encourage people is gifts. Now, that could be a gift of money, but it could also be a gift of your time, um, which, of course, the first two involve, too some aspect of time. Uh, it could be something new you're giving them, an item that just, it could be a flower you picked in the park. Well, I don't know if you stood in the park. Um, in your, in, in the, uh, the clover you picked in your lawn, okay? Uh, and just brought home to your wife or your little girl and said, hey, here's a little flower for you, uh, just thinking of you. Um, it could be something you've had and are re it's ready for repurposing. It's gently used. You want to pass it on to somebody else who might be younger and doesn't have as much stuff, or, you know, they just have a need for that. Um, whatever the gift might be. And then prayer. Um, prayers for people, and then prayers with people who feel comfortable praying with you. And it's always good if you have a question, say, would, would, you, would you feel be okay if I said a short prayer? Or, would you, you know, and if you, of course, if you sense they won't, you don't want to do that because how are they going to say, no, I don't want you to pray. But, um, but, yeah, much more of our prayer is the internal private prayer for people, and occasionally there's a, we have opportunity to pray with them. There's a fellow in the Scripture named Joseph. Now, th that's not the husband of Mary, 
uh, the mother of Jesus I'm thinking of. But when I say his nickname, you'll probably recognize who I'm talking about. There was a guy named Joseph who was nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And he's always been a favorite of mine early on. I was probably just two or three years old in the Lord. When I ran across that, I thought, huh, and I did a study of him. Now, it was a lot harder then than it is now. Again, I don't have my iPhone, but, you know, with the Bible app, you can do the search function Barnabas, and every reference to Barnabas will come up. There's about maybe 15 or 18 in, mostly in Acts, but there's a couple, he's referred to a couple times in Paul's letters as well. Um, First of all, I like Barnabas because of the encouragement, but I also like him because I've got a nickname, Corky, and people often, sometimes when they first meet me, this happened a couple weeks ago at church, but often they have to get to know me, but they say, well, is, is Corky your real name? Like, I've never met a man named Corky, maybe a dog or a horse, but not a man. <laughs> uh, and so I always like people with nicknames, okay? Um, but, but so Barnabas is, is uh, the first mention of him. It was early on when, when Peter had preached and 3,000 came to the Christ and um, and it says, nobody had a need as everybody was sharing things with each other. And Barnabas, Joseph, nicknamed Barnabas, sold a plot of land and brought the proceeds to the apostles to distribute to those in need. He gave a gift of money to the church, to, believe, to these new believers in, in, uh, in Jerusalem. And then uh, the, the, he, he, a, few, a, little, a little later on, you know, Saul comes to Christ uh, um, who had been persecuting believers, he's there in Jerusalem, but guess what? People are afraid of him. They won't, they won't let him into the Christian circles. And so what's Barnabas do? He takes initiative to get to know this guy, to spend time with him, to hear his story, and he then is the segue, the one who brings him along and says, hey guys, he's for real. He's not faking it. He's not saying he's a Christian just so he can get on the inside and take us all out. But he really did have an encounter with the living Christ, and, and he brings him into the fellowship. So he, he took initiative to, to spend time with somebody and get to know them and hear their story and then introduce them to others who would help him. He ended up going to Antioch when there were new, uh, God was really at work in this city of Antioch. And so they sent Barnabas to go to encourage the believers there and to help teach them and establish them in the faith. When it got so big and overwhelming, he says, hey, I need help doing this. And he calls for Paul to come and join him there. And they spend about a year there encouraging and helping build up the church. And then you might recall that Barnabas and Paul were sent out on the fir- what we call the first missionary journey. It's not labeled there in Acts. But the first missionary journey, the church was praying and seeking the Holy Spirit, and, and he led them to send out ba- Paul and Barnabas to go and spread the gospel throughout the then-known world. And so they went together, and he was encouraging Saul- Paul. By the next missionary trip, guess what? Paul is the one we see followed through the rest of Acts. Barnabas kind of disappears. He, Paul is the one who ended up in the limelight. Barnabas was pretty much behind the scenes, like he had been most of his life, just encouraging people. Um, 
He's also a man of prayer. It says that, like there, that one example, the church was praying and seeking the Lord, and, and he was known also as a man of prayer. So I see him characterizing these qualities of blessing or encouraging people by his life. Our New Testament reading, Romans 12, is another example of how we, it underlines ways, practical ways that we can bless people. Notice in verse 14, he says, don't curse, which is obviously negative words, but rather bless your enemies. Affirm, that's, that's the affirmation, you know, positive words, encouraging words to them. In verse 15, acts of, we see acts of kindness. He says, celebrate with those who are, um, who are rejoicing and weep with those who weep. Love one another with brotherly affection. That, that brotherly affection uh, implies being kind to them. We see gifts in verse 13. Um, he says, contribute to the needs of the saints. That's pretty putting it out there. In fact, uh, I didn't mention this. Barnabas at one point, hearing that there was a famine in another part of, uh, of the, of the um, not empire, whatever, um, world, um, encouraged the church to take up money, to save money, put aside money, and then he took it and delivered it to them. Practical money, money gifts. Um, verse 12, we see prayer. Paul exhorts the Romans to keep on praying for yourself and for those you want to encourage. Be constant in prayer. And then behind all this, I like this, this, this term in verse 9, be genuine. You know, the question is, what's, what's my motivation? Am I trying to encourage or bless people just so I can get another scalp on my, um, you know, gun barrel uh, of, a, of somebody trusting Christ? Or am I doing that because I really want their best and I want to love them? You know, people can smell a fake a mile away. We want to be genuine in what we do in the affirmations we give in the initiatives and kindness that we offer. Frost, uh, oh, and then, then, then finally, we read the Ten Commandments this morning, and I didn't realize this until I was finishing up this study, but the, uh, in 13, he says that the Ten Commandments, which we read this morning, are summed up in what? These commandments are summed up in the word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, that's what we're talking about, is loving people. Just another way of, of, of saying, putting love in action here. Blessing, encouraging people. And in this chapter, Frost challenge us, us, challenges us to bless or to encourage three people a week. Three people. He says, one, a person not in your church, encourage, love, bless one person in your church, and then it's your choice, the third person. Of course, if you're meeting with a couple, you've gotten a twofer, you know, two for the price of one. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, to encourage, to purposely think of how I can bless or encourage three people this week. I did a few interviews with, in preparation for this sermon uh, with, for uh, folks in our congregation. 
And I said, how have people blessed or encouraged you? What's one way? I didn't say 10 ways. I said, what's one way people have blessed or encouraged you in the past year, couple years, whatever, past week or year? Um, I'll just start off by saying, you know, some of you around were around five and a half years ago when we started the church. It was literally three uh, in, the, in the middle of our practice services at the community center, which is now being rebuilt, of course, um, that I had a bike accident and broke my clavicle. And they don't know. If, I mean, I, I basically blacked out and hit a tree. And I had a helmet on, thankfully. But um, so they were concerned I had a heart incident or a brain incident, and they, they kept me in the hospital overnight. First time I've ever been in the hospital in my life since I was born, by God's grace. But I'm home the next few days, of course, in pain and, you know, lying around, not, not very mobile. I think it was the next day or maybe the second day, I'm, lying, I'm, I'm on the back porch on this couch thing we have, and Amanda Taylor and little Reese, she was about a year and a half old at that point, come in. Amanda's bringing, I think it was a shepherd's pie. But what touched me, in fact, as I was thinking about this, I, I got tears in my eyes just thinking about, I still have this little drawing that Reese did for me. And on it, Amanda had written, you know, get well, Corky, because of course she, she couldn't write or spell. But, and she's, I remember her shyly walking over and kind of handing me this little drawing as I was lying on the couch. I was, was this cast on and, you know, whatever. I must have looked a sight. She's probably scared to look at me. But, but that, that little act of kindness um, meant so much to me at that time. Uh, a woman in our church said, answered the question, when my husband's father died, we flew out and, and we came back, our family came back from the airport and found very unexpectedly a bouquet of flowers with a nice note from some friends and saying that dinner was in the refrigerator. Act of kindness. Um, a man here in our church said, for over 10 years, a well-to-do friend who is exactly my size, not me, Corky, but his size, um, has, has sent me gently used shirts, slacks, and suits, all current brand names, and sometimes they still have the price tags on them. And he said, this has been God's provision to me as our family is, is really tight. The, the, our budget here is really tight living in, in Northern Virginia. A senior citizen answered it this way, I decided not to tell anybody about a certain need I had, just commit it to the Lord. After church one Sunday, a friend walked up to me and said they felt led to do something for me, and it was exactly what I had prayed for. Thank you, Lord. A middle school guy says, I was at, with the youth group at King's Dominion, and I'm kind of quiet, and I was just feeling alone in the crowd. And one of the older guys came up and said, Hey, do you want to go on a ride? Whatever the ride was. And so we went on that ride, and basically we hung together the whole day. And that made my day. A woman, a woman battling cancer said, you know, a phone call from a friend and just that friend praying with me over the phone meant so much to me. 
I was blessed out of my socks by their thoughtfulness. That's the way she put it. I was blessed out of my socks. <clears throat> a single man, um, middle-aged single man, said, uh, I never would have been able to clear out my apartment and pack the U-Haul up to move without the help of my brothers from CCV. You were God's heart and hands in serving me. Thank you. Someone in chronic pain said, Your personal note on the card you sent brought tears to my eyes. You have no idea how much it means to me during this prolonged illness to know and to know that you're praying for me. And then someone newer to CCV said, This is a woman speaking. The best part of our coming to CCV has been the men's group my husband's connected with. That has just, it's been so much fun for me to see him connecting with other men and encouraged uh, in, that, uh, in that way. So yesterday afternoon, I'm at the, at the uh, CCV office, and I'm working this, with this, and I look at my phone, and there's a call from Phil Francis. Now, Stan Francis is Phil's brother, and Stan Francis lives in Richmond, and Stan and Phil were both at VPI with me. I'll, I'll say Virginia Tech now. Virginia Tech with me. Um, uh, Stan was my age, and, and Phil, he, they, he went, his nickname was Fee back then. Um, Fee was two years younger, okay? And um, so I've been in touch with Stan, and about a year ago, Stan said, you know, my brother Phil is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's, now he's retired, and he's been involved in Gideon's for years, but now he's a statewide uh, president of the Gideon's, and it's almost like a full-time job for him. He's made it a full-time job. He loves what he's doing and helping to spread the Word of God through getting scriptures into people's hands. Um, and so he said, here's his contact information. Well, I put it in my phone, but I didn't reach out to him, and he didn't reach out to me. So when my phone rang yesterday, it was in my phone, Phil Fee was calling me. And I thought, huh, okay. And I answered it. And he said, Corky, now note God's timing here. I just want to thank you for your being willing to share Christ with me back at Virginia Tech. It was, our, it was after the college life meeting, which was a big meeting we had. We had three or 400 people involved. Um, uh, you know, you walked back with me after that meeting. We were talking. We sat on the wall outside of Vauder Hall, and you shared the four spiritual laws with me, and it was saying that prayer at that time that really began to change my life when I opened my heart to Christ. And he said, I've gone on to walk with the Lord. Unfortunately, 20 years ago, my first wife died of ALS. The Lord brought somebody else into my life two years later, and we've been happily married for 18 years, um, and I, I, just, I just want you to know that the seed you planted and, and has, has continued to grow. And I just went, whoa. <laughs> God's timing here to encourage me as I'm talking about, and bless me as I'm talking about blessing others, uh, and encouraging us to, to, bless, to bless other people. Um, we never know how a kind word or a scripture shared, or a gift given is going to encourage somebody in the Lord. 
We want to surprise the world, to encourage others. And, in fact, I want to suggest this. There's 340 adults and about 140 teenagers who would call this their church home. Okay, now, we're not all here every Sunday, obviously. But um, I, I did a little mathematics. I said, if, what if just one in four of us, if one in four of us took this seriously and decided to put these five habits into practice, even for five weeks, hopefully for five months or five years. But how different we would be, how different we would be as a, as a congregation. That's 120 people. If 120 people took this seriously, how different our church would be, how different our families would be, our marriages, our families, how different our community would be. As, as we're filled with encouraging blessing, other people. Please pray with me. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the encouragement, the constant affirmation that you give us in Jesus Christ by your Spirit, through your Word. And we pray that we would become people who are blessing, encouraging, loving others. By your grace, might the gospel go forth in fresh ways because of our having looked at your word this morning and considered this. In Christ's name, amen.